Hey, welcome everybody for another episode of the Valor Adventures podcast, episode number five. Uh, first of all, uh, well, let me start off by saying this. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Neal. My co-host, Andrew Fletcher, is across the table from me. Andrew the Great Fletcher. Yeah, you should start calling me that. You should convince my wife to start calling me that. How cool would that be? Andrew the Great. Well, doesn't she listen to this? She better. All right. Paige, so she, take notes. She should know. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, apologize for last week's podcast. The sound quality was terrible on that. We're not real sure what, what went wrong, but um, we've tested it this week, and it sounds good again. So uh, if you listened to that last week, it might have drove you crazy, drove me crazy. And for whatever reason, it just didn't uh, come out very clear. But hey, we got a good one for you today. We wanted to talk about weapon setup. Upcoming hunting season is uh, right around the corner. And whether you're hunting with a rifle, a bow, muzzleloader, crossbow, probably not going to talk about crossbow too much because I've never really used a crossbow. But uh, whatever you like to use, spears, you know, <laughs> rocks, slingshots. We were, we were at a family reunion this last week, and my boys were out shooting squirrels with their slingshots, so they were having a good time doing that. Um, but probably not very effective for what we're going to talk about here That's today. That's impressive, though. Yeah, you know, they're out being boys. That's what they do. Well, anyway, Andrew, you know, I think uh, maybe we ought to start off, uh, let's talk about rifles and, and cartridge selection, and there's obviously about a million different opinions on this. Everybody's got their favorite. Everybody's got the, what they think is the best, the most popular. So we can probably start with start with that a little bit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think today there there are just there are so many options out there for you know what rifle should you use for this or that or whatever. And if we were going to talk about you know a big game, a good North American big game rifle cartridge. Uh, I think some of the most popular ones, the 300 Win Mag, I think a lot of guys like that because they saw Chris Kyle using it or whatever, right? But 300 Win Mag is a great, great round. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I think it can beat you up a little bit. I mean, even even if you have a muzzle break, it's going to kick more than, say, a 7 Mag. So you got your 300 Win Mag, you got your 7 Mag, which is same casing, but you got a a uh, uh, little smaller bullet. Now, you, you can actually shoot the same grain bullet out of a 30 cal as you can a 7 mag, right? But uh, you can't go as big as a 30 cal in the 7 mag, and that's why you get the a little more recoil with the 300 mag versus the 7, right? Um, I love the 7 the seven Remington mag. I just think that's a very good all-around. I think almost every rifle out there is trying to be a 7 mag. <laughs> Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Definitely a good one-do-all. It's like you can kill pretty much everything. I can't think of anything that you can't kill. Maybe an elephant. Yeah. So you shoot a lot with a 7 mag. Yeah. You could maybe, I don't know, maybe you could kill an elephant. You probably could yeah. kill an elephant with a bow. If you can shoot with you, like you, you know, you'd probably smack one. Yeah. I don't think there's any. I've, I would be comfortable and confident shooting everything in North America with a 7 mag. Yep. I wouldn't hesitate on it. On anything. Great for long-range shooting. We, we shoot them out to a mile in our shooting schools. And, um, yeah, they don't, they don't beat you up. If you have a muzzle brake on them, they, don't, they do not beat you up. They, you can follow your shot for the most part. Uh, I've shot a lot of 180 grain ELDMs. I've shot some 162 ELDXs. Uh, I've shot some burgers, which I used to love burgers. I'm not so much a fan of them the more I've hunted. Um, now they do 
shoot really well for them usually i guess it depends on your rifle but um and and if you're at the right distance they're devastating but you know sometimes they they don't uh penetrate as well maybe if you're at a real if you're real close distance a lot of times they don't i guess either way too close or too far you hit a bone and they don't do real well sometimes the elds i've killed everything i've shot with an eld yeah um and then now we're actually using some um uh a tips aren't you yeah some a tips are working really well and then also the what are they called? The monof- monof- monolithic. monolithic bullets. Thank you. I don't know why I was going brain freeze on that. So we're actually using those a lot um, and, and able to shoot smaller grain bullets and still get the same effect as far as being effective with killing the animal. And so we can kind of move into some of that now, I, 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 you know, because the 7 mag is great, but there's also um, other options now that recoil even less than that that are just as devastating using the right bullet yeah i think bullet selection is as important if not more important than your cartridge selection like you can shoot all the horsepower in the world and if you shoot a crappy bullet who cares it's like picking the bullets like i know a bunch of guys when they're building like custom rifles or building a hunting rifle anything like that like the guys are really really into guns pick a bullet before they pick cartridge or would like they'll build the entire gun around the bullet instead of that's like the last thing that a lot of people think of or they don't think about it at all it's like that's ultimately what's going to do the killing if you really think about it it's not how fast it's going it's what is actually hitting the animal and how does that perform so i think bullet selection is a huge key that a lot of people completely miss or don't think about i agree and and you know sometimes People are so caught up in getting the best BC that they forget about, you know, what about, you know, how's that bullet going to do in the field hunting and killing an animal? Yeah. You know, you want to make a good ethical kill. You got to make sure that bullet's going to do what you need it to do. And so you might shoot a little bit lower BC bullet, but it's a better bullet. Like, especially if you're shooting through brush, that's where those monolithic bullets are good. If you're shooting through brush, they do a lot better at staying together. And they also penetrate real well. And, uh, I mean... These A tips, they're not a full monolithic. They're, they've got they've got some lead. And monolithic is the full carp, uh, copper bullet, right? Machined, yeah. Machined, machine bullet. Um, but even the A tips, I've been shooting the horn of the A tips. They're they're a pricey bullet, but uh, you know they've they've been devastating as well. And often you'll get a, a complete pass through. And you know, it used to be uh, that I thought that it was best to have the bullet go in and explode inside and not, not pass through. Right. And just, that's kind of how the, the burger bullet philosophy is, right. They go in and they blow up and I've killed elk and deer with those. And, uh, they definitely performed well, but as I started to go on some outfitted hunts with some of the guides in Alaska or up in, uh, Canada, you know, they, they hate burgers because, seldom do you get a burger to go through an animal and they like the potential of that bullet going all the way through and putting a big hole through both sides of the animal so there's a blood trail in case that thing that animal takes off you can track it better so they prefer you know like nozzler acubond you know we've used those and performed really well you know they like those bullets that 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 tend to stay together and uh, the partition type bullets Um, barnes makes some good ones as well but, uh, yeah, I mean, so anyway, I mean, uh, again, rifle cartridge selection, I, I, I've, I've, um, really liked the six, five PRC 
Uh, we do a 6.5 Sherman short as well, which is similar, a little bit faster than a PRC. Uh, I, I love that 6.5 PRC. I shot a, a couple of bison this last year with a 135 grain A-tip, uh, both heart shots, and both had no problem killing those bison. And uh, those are the first two animals I've killed with those. I just started using them this year, so I'm excited to see how they perform on deer and ibex and other things I'll be hunting, antelope maybe. And and then I've got a, a six all mountain, which is basically a, it's, it's like a, a 243 with a, a, not as steep of a shoulder, holds a little more powder than a 243. And uh, similar to like a, a six competition match, if you've heard of those, shooting 110 grain A-tip at 3,200 feet a second. That's going to be devastating on deer, coyotes for sure, plenty for coyotes, you know. And uh, so between those two rifles, I have a hard time doing anything else. I do have a 7 mag too, which I, c I could use, you know. Um, but honestly, that 6.5 PRC, uh, it's just, I can, it doesn't beat you up when you shoot it. You can follow your shot if you're by yourself. Um, That's huge too. If you're shooting long range or you hunt by yourself, like being able to see and call your own impact is huge. It is. It is. I mean, there's been times where, you know, you do miss and, and you can see where your bullet hit. You can make a quick correction because, you know, sometimes the, the deer or whatever you're shooting at looks up like, what was that? Or they might take a few steps and, and you could see that you were a six inches high and six inches right. You can make that quick correction and you know, maybe it was windy. Maybe you're shooting at an angle and you make that correction. The second shot, you know, you can make that happen. In fact, it's, you know, if you have a spotter, great. But there's been a lot of times where either you don't have a spotter or your spotter's not on the animal in time and you, you don't have enough time to get on them. And a lot of times we're trying to film, so usually we have a spotter, but uh, not always. Yeah. I think I think being able to call your own impact, I think it's funny too. Like I think a lot of guys almost have the attitude that it's a knock against their manhood if they shoot a smaller type gun. It's like you should shoot what you can handle effectively and shoot efficiently. It's like just because you're shooting a cannon, if you can't hit anything – it's going to do you no good. It's like, but if you can be really consistent, and really effective, if it, if you even have to step down like a six five PRC, it's like you can kill. It's like you kill freaking bison with it. Yeah. It's like I wouldn't worry about that on a deer. If you can kill bison with it, it's like you're shooting a hundred and thirty five grain bullet. Yep. Over three grand. Yep. Yeah. Thirty two, thirty two fifty. Yeah, you can't argue. So with it's that. it's moving, and I killed a mule. I killed a lot of mule deer with it, but I killed a mule deer at nine hundred eighty yards with it. That was shooting one of those ELDMs. Uh, the hundred and 47 147s yep and uh that was a cool uh cool deal it was a really calm morning it was a long shot but i was real comfortable i was by myself i wish i would have taken a little bit more time to set up my spotting scope because nobody's going to believe me it was 980 yards but i can prove it i could take you over where i shot him you'd see it i got pictures and anyway i i uh, made my first shot and i saw the bullet go a little high made my own correction second shot and got him and, um, you know, he, he went down right away. Like, he didn't, he, I mean, he was done. <laughs> That's the greatest. Watching him dump in the scope is the greatest. And hearing that pop, you know. Yeah. So I, I saw him fall, and then the, the sound hit out. Like, the sound came back That's to me after. Him. Holy cow. Whoop. Really cool. So anyway, yeah, and if you're going to do a shooting school, we'll have guys come to our shooting school. They're 300 Win Mag, right? And which is that's fine if that's what you want to shoot. But just know, you, you shoot that thing 100, 150 times, you're going to be hating life at the end of the school yeah. you know we'll shoot we'll shoot six creed moors six five creed moors you know six five prc seven mags even and they're just a lot more manageable to shoot all day like that again 300 win mags great 300 ultra mag great it's just overkill for uh, so much so many things yeah. now the good thing is if it's really windy and you don't make a great shot 
Yeah, it is. It is impressive. Like if you're shooting a six creed, like just how much smaller or how big of a difference just a little more horsepower does on like wind calls is where you know it's because like up and down elevation, like you just if you do your drop data right, it's pretty easy. Just dial to it, shoot. But on wind calls, it's like it is crazy how much you can get away with on like a seven mag. Yeah, it is. I I like. I I usually tell people it's like the first gun you build. Build something you can kill everything with. So do like a 7 or 6.5 PRC, something like that that's a little more forgiving. And then have two guns. So like I've got I've got a 338 Lapua, which is overkill for like 90% of things. But I shoot that maybe. I, like there's, I haven't didn't shoot it at all last year just because I had no reason to. It's so like I've got it, but practically it's good for nothing. It's like if you're going to set up a gun to use... Like get something that's actually practical that you can shoot and that you can get good with. It's like because time on the range is going to do you way more good than having something that'll blow an elk over at three thousand yards when you can't shoot four hundred. Yeah, amen. Hey, you make a good shot on an animal with a rifle, like heart it heart shot. It's going to die. High shoulder, probably going to go right down. Right. Yeah. I prefer a heart shot myself, but you know, there's times where you know I just wanted to put them down, and high shoulders fun too, right? Yeah. It just drops them. And I'm with you, you know, two rifles. I have 6.5 PRC and then my 6 All-Mountain, for the most part, used for everything. Now, I love hunting coyotes, so I did build up a, a cool little AR this year, 2.2.3, and I'm going to use that a bunch for coyotes. I'm, I love the 22.250. I had one of those for a while, so I just, uh, my brother has it now. Uh, All-around coyote gun, 22.250, man, hard to beat that, right? Yeah. They got the 22 Creed more now. That's maybe a little quicker or whatever. But man, that 22 250, I love that for coyotes. Probably my favorite all around coyote. But last year and the last couple of years, I used a six Creed more for coyotes exclusively, and uh, I've shot coyotes and bobcats with it. And for the most part, hasn't blown them up too bad. I was shooting the 108 ELDMs, uh, just the factory out of it. You know, this year I'm going to try that six all mountain on a few, but. Uh, the 223, I like the 53 grain VMAX. I've got a bunch of those loaded up, and uh, AR is kind of fun for coyotes, too. You know, if you miss, you have a few more shots that you can get off quick if you need to. So that's kind of my my deal as far as rifle and cartridge selection. That's my opinion. Again, everybody's got their, their own deal, but uh, for what it's worth. Yeah. I like to go as big as you can shoot really, really well. It's kind of like my my motto and there's a lot that you can do too it's like just like with my with my seven it's like with the suppressor on that like i've had 12 year old girls kill deer with that and it's totally comfortable for them it's like but if you have an unbroke seven she's gonna cry you know so like yeah once you figure that out like there's a lot of things that you can do to make something like tame it it's like whether that's a good muzzle break or suppressors like if you don't have one, you should get one. Yeah. And as soon as, awesome. soon as you get one, you're never going to, you're never going to shoot without them. And you're going to be mad at everybody that doesn't have one. Yeah. And by the way, check out on, on uh, our website, uh, check out our solvent traps. You can purchase a solvent trap, uh, fill out a form, uh, form, one. form one, get a tax stamp for it. And then uh, you can actually drill it. We provide the bushing and everything. You can actually, once, once you got your tax stamp, uh, make, make sure you're legal with it. You can you can drill it out, and uh, you've got a suppressor within about a month versus waiting a year or more for other suppressors. Now they're not as quiet as some of the bigger cans that you can get, uh, but they are really good for hunting. They reduce the recoil and they do reduce the sound. It's like a it's like a muzzle brake without the drawbacks of a muzzle brake. Exactly, 
Exactly. And they're really light. They're titanium. Yeah. Probably lighter than a muscle brake. Yeah. Four inches, four ounces, or five inches, five ounces are the two options. In titanium, I'd get the titanium. You, you can buy the steel and aluminum as well. But I would, if you can, splurge for the titanium. You'll be happy you did. And they're they're really cool to have for, for your hunting needs, for hunting. I mean, I've, I've, I've had one on, you know, when I've been sheep hunting and packing all over the mountain. Because they're light, and you know why not? And, yeah. And uh, and then you know I also when it comes to rifles, I, I'm I've been a big believer the last several years, maybe even before it was popular, to shoot a shorter barrel. So um, we're doing a 20 inch barrel on on our rifle builds now for the most part, and we can do longer if someone's longer. But 20 inch barrel, 6.5 PRC, 135 grain bullet, 3250 feet a second. I can put a suppressor on it. Still, still shorter than a 26-inch barrel, you know, right rifle. And so, anyway, yeah, I I, I love the shorter barrels. Um, you know, uh, I like carbon fiber barrels too. If you you know, I, they they cool off quicker. They're more rigid. They you're usually more forgiving. But nothing wrong with a steel barrel either. You know, if if uh, you know you can get those and um, they're you know get get them fluted and they can still be really lightweight and real effective and real i mean I sh- shot those forever too right yeah uh trigger what about triggers triggers are key I like trigger tech trigger tech's really good yep i i, I have quite a few trigger techs i got a bix and andy in my six all mountain really like that one it feels really nice and um so anyway i think you know when you're when you're selecting a rifle um if you're gonna even if you're gonna buy a a uh you know, just go into a, a factory guns. factory type gun. A, a wise decision would be to switch out that trigger. Yeah, two biggest things you can do to improve accuracy immediately is I think a muzzle brake or something to bring the recoil down. I think is the number one. It's like you think about it, everybody can shoot a 22 phenomenal, and it's not because 22s are accurate; it's because nobody's scared of them. So, muzzle brake and trigger are the two I think absolute biggest things that you can do to improve yourself and there's a lot of factory guns that are killer like i've got i've got a tika is what i hunt with right now i've got a two pounds of factory trigger they sell little spring kits you just swap out one spring super simple i've got a two pound trigger and a factory gun so there's a great Brigars are great but even then it's like switching out a trigger on most guns it seems like it's a lot it is super 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 simple to switch triggers yep on every factory and timney makes one for pretty much everything that you will ever find yep Timmy's are good. Jewels are good, right? They all they all feel really good. So um, yeah, some of those sealed triggers. I mean, they're great unless you're up in Alaska, going through the rivers, and you're using your gun and your your guns in the river. Like if if you you know if you if you fall a little bit or something, and there's that silt, it can mess up those sealed triggers. That's where sometimes those open triggers, like the Winchesters had, are are good up there. But I, I still, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm my, most of my guns, actually all my guns right now are sealed triggers, you know, trigger tag, picks and Andy, you know, type. Um, jewel, I got a jewel on one of my rifles as well. So, good. Uh, you know, and then also I think um, having a good bipod on your, on your rifle is, uh, you know, I, I personally have the Atlas bipod. I think it's worth the money. I put a pick rail on the end of my stock. You can put one on any gun, and then I can just take that on and off real easy. But when I'm hunting, I just our, our rifles are so light, I just keep that bipod on all yeah. the time. Well, I like them how compact they are, too. It's like it just sucks it so tight to the rifle. They're so nice. And another nice thing about them, too, is like all the ones that mount onto your, uh, onto your sling loop, it's like those things 
because they sit out so far. So it's like, then if you have a sling on there, they just dig into your shoulder the mm-hmm. entire time. So like with the Atlas, it sucks it in and then you have your peg down lower. So they're comfortable to carry on a sling too. And they're really adjustable. You can yeah. get really low to the ground or you can extend them out too. And um, another another one, the Magpoles are, are pretty nice for the money, but they don't go low enough a lot of times. Sometimes I, I'm in a position where I, I like to get as low to the ground as I can. And they, you know, with those, you got to have a bigger rise in the back end of the rifle sometimes so that's only i only gripe i have about those and they don't have a quick release uh either so if you wanted to take them off easy the atlas is is better for that uh and then scope you got to have a good scope and um you know people will buy a rifle spend a lot of money in a rifle and then they'll they'll go chintzy on the scope which i think is probably the biggest mistake you could make yeah absolutely 90 percent of guns i think will shoot better than most people True. Like your gun will almost always outshoot you. It's like, but it's your scope, you cannot, you can't make up the difference there. It's like, no. And it's funny because like I get made fun of all the time because I have, I have obviously I have my nice, nice guns that I hunt with and that I've built. But it's like I've got a bunch of like my two, two, three. I've got a three hundred dollar Ruger American that I've got a thousand dollar scope on a thousand dollar suppressor. So it's like you yeah. don't skip on optics. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And and uh, you want one that tracks really well. You know, I mean, sometimes you get a cheaper scope and doesn't track well. And so explain that to people. So when you're trying to adjust your your uh, knob on the top, right, to adjust for elevation, you know, whether it's MOA, mill, whatever, and you go up five minutes and you come back to zero uh, or vice versa. If it doesn't track accurately, if five minutes isn't really five minutes and then you go back to zero and it stays stuck on five minutes or in between there somewhere, obviously you got a problem. And uh, that's where, you know, the higher-end scopes rarely have that be an issue. The, the lower-end scopes, that's, that's, it's an issue. Yeah. And I've talked to guys, you know, that have had those scopes that are on the lower end, and they've, they go, I oh, just send it in for the warranty. Well, if you're hunting, a warranty doesn't do you any good. I don't want to have to use a warranty. Yeah. You know, so I, I appreciate a lifetime warranty. Like, uh, the scope I use always now is a Mark V, Leupold Mark V. That is my favorite scope. It's a first focal plane, which I like. Um, if you like a second focal plane, look at the VX6 or the VX5. Both really good scopes also. They track really well. Yes, they're a little pricey, but like I, I have a Mark V, and I can use that Mark V on all my guns. I have it, I have it on, on, uh, with rings with a, that go on a pick rail, and I like the American Rifle Company rings. They're really easy to use, and I can easily take a scope off I take my scope off one rifle, put it on the other, and within two shots, I'm on again. I'm on with the new right with the other rifle. And so, yes, it's a pricey scope, but I can use it for all my rifles. Yep. And I'd rather have that than you know three or four cheap, cheaper scopes. Just my opinion. And they're so light. They're they're light. yeah. That's a good thing about Leupold too, right? Is is they are, I would say, Night Force esque without the weight. Yeah. Now I do have a Night Force four by sixteen, the the littler one for first focal plane. I do like that scope a lot. Um, but uh, if I had to pick between that and the Leupold, I would go with the Leupold. Um, just personal preference. Um, I've had U.S. Optic scopes. They're heavy. nice but heavy. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I, I would go with uh, 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 you know. The best you can afford. Best you can afford, yep. And uh, I think we talked about MOA versus mill last week, so we won't do that again here on this one. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Shooting sticks. I would make sure you have some good shooting sticks. So I'll have my bipod if I can get prone. 
But if I can't get prone, I want to be able to shoot off my sticks. And the shooting sticks I like, they you can get them on Amazon or wherever. Just look up shooting sticks. They fold into three pieces, and they've got a bungee in them. And I can just keep I keep them on the outside of my pack, strapped on. So they're really fast to get. If I need to get to them quickly and make a quick shot, I can pull them out, get on them. And we do drills at our shooting schools on how to use them really effectively. But you can have those out in front of you with your, your backpack behind your back wing. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're on a hill or something, you can get really steady. But good to practice with shooting sticks, right? And, uh, and all this stuff, by the way, you know, rifles, bows, everything, you need to get out and practice with all of these things. Make sure you know how to use your bipod, your shooting sticks. Uh, get out and uh, shoot the ammo you're going to shoot. Um, that's something that I have more recently learned the last few years is that even if you're shooting factory ammo, make sure you go and if you, if you shot certain boxes last year and this year you got new boxes of ammo, you better go shoot them. And I, so I had the Hornady ELD, the Hornady match, right? That's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, my rifle, my six Creedmoor was so on, man, just hit things everywhere. Well, this last year, I just went out coyote hunting the first couple of times, grabbed a new box of ammo, went out, and I shot, I missed two coyotes, like, in a row that I just, no way I missed them. And I go, what the heck? Well, I went and shot at a target. I was, like, six inches high because it was a different batch number, different lot of ammo, right? And so even when you're reloading, if you have... Two identity say have two two uh, pounds of H4350, but they they were produced in two different lots. You gotta that's gonna make a difference, right? It yeah. could it could make a difference. It could make a difference. Yeah, I always I usually try to and I get I probably get way too anal on stuff, but anytime I build a gun, I always buy as much powder as I possibly can. Just like my goal is to buy enough powder to where I'll be done with that barrel before I run out of powder. Yeah, it's good good rule of thumb. Good rule of thumb because, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it can be kind of messy if you got, you know, a bunch of different batches of ammo. There's so, nothing more frustrating than that, too. There's no worse feeling in the world than missing and not knowing why you missed. Yeah, and, and, and knowing there's no way I missed that, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, I, two coyotes in a row, I'm like, there's no way I'm missing. And, yeah, sure enough. I was, and, then I, and then I was like, why am I six inches high? And then I realized, oh, I'm shooting the same ammo, but it was different batches. So there's a tip for everybody out there that you may not think of, but uh, you got to go out and shoot the, the, the bullets you're going to be shooting when you're hunting before you go hunting. Yep. Make sure you know them inside and out. Um, so anything else on rifles? Now, we could, we could spend the whole thing on rifles here. Uh, what do you usually do? Like, what's your favorite What's your favorite way to practice? One thing that I freaking love, and if you guys haven't yet, if you get the opportunity to go shoot, like, a PRS match or just – there's a gazillion different local matches. If you guys get the opportunity to go do that, you will – it's amazing how much that will improve your speed. It's like dry fire practice I think is great, and then those kinds of situations are really good just because, like, you can be as steady as you – as anybody else in the world, but if you can't get down quickly, find something in the scope and then get a good shot off really quick. It's like how many people like new hunters, when you go out, it's like how frustrating is it when there's an animal and they can't find it in the scope? Oh man. I, yeah. And I've, I've been there right yeah. before I was It's like, how frustrating is it for them? You know? Yeah. It's like dry fire practice, like pick a spot on the wall and, it's like, and then move your gun, find it. You know, it's like, if you can get really good at just finding something in the scope, that's 90% of it. Getting steady quickly on it 
And then trigger control. Target acquisition. That's why it's not a bad idea to go hunt rabbits or something yeah. where you have to go and, and find it and shoot it with a scope. Yeah. That'll help. That'll help you. That's that's really good practice to do. And then, yeah, like you're saying, dry firing, you know, sitting down and dry firing. Even when you're in the field, if you have a chance to dry fire on an animal before you actually shoot it, yeah, do it. Right? You don't always have that opportunity. But if you do, do it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's why I like coyote hunting because uh, if I can get out and do a bunch of that before I go deer hunting – it's helpful. Yeah. And then the, the courses and the, and the, uh, courses you can take and the PRS matches, whatever your confidence will go up significantly. You go yeah. do a day of that. It is, it is fun. I love going to like where I grew up. It's like we, there's nothing to do there. It's like, we just shoot stuff for fun. Like we shoot rabbits, bird, like everything. If it, if it breathes, it dies, you know? So we'd be shooting pot guts, rabbits, like crazy. And I love going out with somebody that's either newer into hunting or for they're big hunters, but not from where they could go do that as frequently. Like I love going with somebody that I grew up with and then somebody that maybe hasn't done anything like that as much. And it is amazing how much faster like the country guys are versus like by like three or four times. Oh yeah. Even not even close. Cause that's all they do. It's how they grow up doing it. Right. And you know what? Listen, there's, there's a lot of good YouTubes and stuff on how to set up properly prone and you know, how to, how to use shooting sticks as well. So yep. You know, look at that stuff, then go practice it. I'll go practice my prone. I'll go practice off my shooting sticks. You know, I'll, I'll shoot off a bench uh, when I'm dialing in a rifle. But once it's dialed in, it's unrealistic to be shooting off a bench. So I rarely shoot off a bench, you know, when I'm practicing. Yeah. So National Shooting Sports Foundation has a killer YouTube channel. He's a guy named Ryan Kleckner. There's a bunch of videos on just like how to shoot. Be accurate that way. Awesome. Good. Okay, let's get to bows, bows and, and set up for that. Bow, broadheads, uh, arrows, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, again, when it comes to your archery equipment, before the season comes, you want to have everything dialed in, make sure your bow's well-tuned, make sure you've got a good bow yard you can go to and have, have that bow checked out. But just like with the rifles, no matter how good you're set up with your bow, it doesn't do any good unless you have practiced over and over and over again, right? Yep. That's what really makes a difference. And, um, you know, so I guess, you know, when it comes to setting up your bow properly, what are some tips you'd give for, for that? Having one that feels good, I think is the biggest thing. I, I think bows and handguns are similar. It's like when you shoot a handgun, it's like you have something like I shoot a Glock really, really well. I shoot an XD awful. It's like finding one that feels good that you just naturally shoot better is really good. So like if you guys are buying a new bow, go shoot all of them. Like a lot of guys get super loyal to one brand. Like I've always been a Hoyt guy forever. And this year switched to Matthews. It just felt better. I could hold it better, more steady. I didn't want to like the Matthews, but I did. <laughs> so like if you just shoot them, find what feels good to you and then making sure that the bow is set up properly. And this is something I'm, I freaking did a dumb and I don't know if I grew after high school or what. I've shot 28 and a half inch draw length forever like senior year after that like i bought two bows at bow shops they set them up 20 how tall inches. are you like six foot and that's you're only 28 and a half i got tiny little arms yeah you do i did but so I shot 28 and a half forever and then last year switched to back tension release where it's like it's a lot more dependent on your form making sure that you're shooting the bow properly and i just could not shoot it for crap i couldn't figure out what's going on i was dropping my front shoulder scrunching it in just super uncomfortable so I went to measure my draw length. I, I shoot a 30-inch draw length now. Um, yeah. Huge difference. Much more power as well. Yeah, yeah and I, more, like, more, I am uh, energy. so much more accurate just making sure that the bow's set up. So like, don't be too proud. And, like, all, like, I can't remember. I think it's elk-shaped. Just always be tinkering. Like, always mess with your stuff, especially with archery, because you're going to find little, little, little things that make such a big difference. Good tips. 
uh, fixed or mechanical broadheads? So I'm shooting mechanicals this year. So I shoot severs this year. I'm usually a big fixed blade guy. And the biggest reason, cause, just because fixed blade, like if I hit it, I know it's cutting right now. Whereas mechanical, I got to trust that that's going to open. Which is in the back of your mind, I think that's a lot of guys. And I've never, I haven't killed anything with the with, uh, mechanical yet. But the biggest reason I switched, I shoot a single pin slider. So I love the Ramcat Hydroshock. So they're kind of like a fixed hybrid yeah. type thing. Their blades pivot. They're cool. But they're so big that when I drop my sight down to like 75, 80 yards, my broadhead was actually hitting my sight housing. Mm. So I switched to these mechanicals. They fly awesome. These severs are cool. They've got a, a practice mode. So you can actually shoot the broadheads that you'll hunt with and the blades don't deploy. So you can see exactly where it's shooting. So I like that. And they shoot awesome. Like I can't, everybody says I can't tell the difference with field points, but I've shot broadhead, field point, broadhead, field point, and they group exactly the same. That's what I was going to say. You want to go shoot them and make sure they fly the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, how much truth is there, would you say, to if they're not flying the same, it means your bow's not tuned properly? I say 100%. Okay. So yeah. if your bow's... If you're, shoot, if you're shooting a good broadhead and your bow is tuned correctly, then they should shoot the same. If they're both 100 grain, 100 grain field tip, 100 grain broadhead. Yeah. And, like, if you get if you get an arrow spin, as long as that broadhead spins true on your arrow and your bow's tuned, then it's just, like, you can get you can get little arrow spinners on Amazon. They're, like, 30 bucks. And it's crazy to look at a good arrow versus a cheap arrow and a cheap broadhead versus a good arrow. Like, you can see the wobble. Like, if you can actually, like, visually look at that arrow while it's spinning, it's crazy to see how big of a wobble some of them have. Wow. But if, it's, wow. if it spins on a top, then why wouldn't it shoot the exact right. same? Right. Makes sense. Okay. Only difference is like, obviously if you're shooting a broadhead that has a lot more surface area, it's going to move a lot more in the wind than your field points would. So I think, I think there's a lot, like if you do shoot, if you do shoot fixed blades, then I think there's a lot to be said for shooting in the wind before the season, just to know, same thing with the rifle. It's like, you can't, you can't factor in, a wind call into shooting, right? That's where really where you tell the difference between good shooters and people that just plug stuff in is how are their wind calls. Same thing on archery. It's like you got to figure out how the wind's going to affect your exact setup because your broadheads are going to be affected differently than than your field points. That's one one pro of a mechanical. They're mm-hmm. so much more compact. They don't get that. They just don't have as much surface area. What about shooting angles? How crucial is that to shoot angles before you get out in the field? Very. And that's a big testament to your setup as well. There's, this is one thing that I didn't realize until about two years ago is third axis leveling on a site is huge. Just because you'll, you, if you don't have third axis leveling on your site, there's no possible way to know that you're actually perfect. So if your site doesn't have a third axis level and you're shooting steep angles, you're probably going to be off. Good to know. Okay. So check that. Spend a little more money, right? Get, yeah. Get a better sight. Um, okay. And archery, too, what's nice about that is, like, you buy once, you cry once. Like, I've had the same sight, the same quiver, the same rest. I have bought f- I bought those four years ago. So, it's like, as long as you can always get a new bow, it's like, the good stuff stays the same. It's like, how long everybody shot Trophy Taker, SmackDown Pro, forever. I shoot a Hamski, Trinity Pro now. It's like, I'm never going to break that rest. And if I do, I can call them. They'll probably send me a new one. Cool. You know, a tight spot quiver. Yep. Same site, unless you're really hard on crap or doing something really dumb, it should last you. Right. Only thing I hate about bows is they outdate every dang year. Every, yeah. every year there's a new, better, you know. And it's so small. It's so, so small. small every year. Like I shot the VXR last year, last year that Matthews had. So I ended up buying an RX4 last year. I shot the VXR last year. One of my buddies has a VXR this year, and I can shoot the VXR and my V3. It's like if you have your eyes closed, there's no way you could tell the difference. There's no way. But if I shoot a bow from 
eight or nine years ago versus the new one this year. It's like Big difference. night and day. So what would you say how often should you look at getting a new bow where you're really going to make, where you're really going to see a difference? Five years? Maybe even five, six? But even then. You know, it's like, how old's your bow? Yeah, mine's a 2015, I think. I but think I, but uh, you shoot it really well. I shoot it really well. Yeah, and I, I haven't shot any of the new ones because I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I think there's a lot to do, like with, with weapon setup, I think there's a lot to do with confidence in it, right? It's like like your bow. It's like you pick it up, you know it's dead, right? Like your last PRC you had. You pick it up, you know it's dead. My yep. Tika, I, it's going to die. My bow this year, confidence. Like if you come into something confidence, you're like, oh my gosh, I might miss. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, amen. And that's just that's just shooting it, right? Yeah. And, and experience and, you know, killing stuff with it too. Yeah, yeah. It helps a bunch. Okay, good. And then uh, last but not least here, just hit on muzzle loaders real quick. There's the muzzle loaders these days are incredible. And, you know, obviously if you, all you can use is open sights, it doesn't matter as much if it's a long range muzzle loader or not. If you go to Colorado, you can only use open sights. So, you know, whatever. But, you know, with muzzle loaders, bullet selection is obviously important there as well. The, 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 um, I've always shot the Barnes. I think they're the T TTSXs. TSXs, yes. They're what 290 grains, I think. There's a bunch of them. They're killers, man. They're and they're sabots. Yep. Sabots, sabots. I don't know how you say it. Sabots, yeah. whatever bo- they are. Hear people say it both ways. I don't know which and one's right. I've always shot loose powder. I know some people like the pellets. I uh, I've shot loose powder forever, and um, and then you know get a good optic on that too. If you if you can use an optic, uh, and you can get a long range muzzleloader. Heck, you can get the Remington, the CVA. The, I mean, there's a lot you can yeah. just go buy. I've got a Thompson, and that thing shoots really good out to 500 yards, and it's got the Nikon scope on it, the Nikon muzzleloader scope on it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, it works. My biggest thing with muzzleloaders, like when I'm picking powder or bullets, I always look at, too, like how how dirty is your powder because there's a lot of powders that shoot way cleaner. So, like, how frequently how, – how many shots can I take before I lose drastic accuracy? And then how easy your bullets to load. It's like I love power belts. So, like, there's some that shoot better, but I love the power belts because if I have to hurry and reload quick, like shooting shooting a Sabo, it's like sometimes they're freaking hard to get back down because it melts the plastic yep. on you, so you have to clean them. Yep. Whereas a power belt, it's like uh, they go you, right in. you can get three or four shots out of a power belt. They might not be super And, again, super if you're accurate. in Colorado, you can't use the Sabos. You can't use those. Yeah. Uh, you have to use the, you know, so, yeah, for sure. The power belts would be a, a good way to go probably if you're going to be in a state like Colorado. I don't know yeah. what other states are like that, but – um, we used to that yeah that used to be all we ever did was muzzleloader hunt um, in Utah. It used to be during the rut every year in November. So that's just what we always. Really? I, grew, I grew up muzzleloader hunting. That's what I did. That's a loud whack. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely kickers. And if you forget to take the ramrod out after you put the bullet in, they they kick really hard. How many times have you done that? I've never done it personally, but I've uh, been with guys that have done it really? and watched them shoot their ramrod down the range. I've seen and get a black eye at the same time. Really? Not, not cool. Yeah. Get the fwang while it's uh, shoot the ramrod at it. Out of bullets, fling like, the ramrod. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, there's a guy, my dad's, uh, my my friend's dad, you know, we our families grew up together, and he did it, I don't know, three or four times. I mean, it <laughs> seems like he did it every year. <laughs> it's a tradition. Yeah, and it just, uh, anyway, it's, yeah, pretty crazy. That's funny. So, well, good. I, I think we uh, hit on a lot of uh, different Topics. I know we spent most time on rifle uh, and cartridge setup, but uh, that's what we're going to do for today. And uh, we can probably definitely get into more. I know there's a lot of archery hunters out there that probably like to spend a lot more time on that. And we could we could spend a full podcast on each one of these individually for sure. But uh, anyway, uh, 
Times are good, man. Times are good. And uh, hunting season is right around the corner. July, what are we, July 27th right now. And, uh, yeah, what, two weeks? And uh, just over two weeks. And Utah archery for mule deer opens up. And elk, too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're there, man. There's antelope hunts starting. The Canada border is opening August 9th, I believe. So a lot of good hunts up there. Uh, check us out. Get get on our website, valoradventures.com, rollingbonesoutfitters.com. Either way, either one. Check out our memberships, our platinum membership. We are doing an exclusive draw a couple of times every year. Uh, we'll start doing that probably quarterly as well and, and even more often than that where you'll have some good opportunities. I think I think the next uh, next one we're going to draw for will be in January. And we do, we'll do you know, all kinds of hunts and gear. And uh, but our platinum membership puts you in for that. But our gold membership's good as well. Unlimited states, limited species, 150 a year is all that one costs. And uh, tremendous amount of value with our concierge service. And uh, you have access to our, our hunt catalog as well. And I should say this too. I think you know with our we're, we're the uh, first branded agency model in the outdoor industry as a company. And uh, our advisors are doing really well with us right now. And we are looking for some some advisors that would like to come. And help us grow our company and, and build with us. And if that's that's you, you'd like to make some extra money, have a good tax write-off as well for all your outdoor adventures, get a hold of us. Let's talk, and let's see if you'd qualify to come and, and work with us. And um, you can help us uh, build the company and get rewarded very handsomely for that. Um, we've got some opportunities to, you know, really make a legit career-type income. Um, so uh, what else, man? Is that it? We good for the day? I think we're good, huh? I think so. Okay. Well, until next time, happy hunting, happy fishing. Uh, get get those. We, we did go fishing last week. I didn't say that. We went fishing last week. wasn't Fast and Furious, but we, we caught one. <laughs> so anyway. One, one's 100% better than zero. Yeah, that is true. That is true. All right, guys. Well, hey, we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. We'll see you.